Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Am I blind? I'm I'm blind. Open your eyes. What? I can't hear you. My eyes are closed. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of No Idea Yet. Today, as per the last 31 episodes, we have myself, Alistair, we have Freddie. Hello. And Johnny. Hi, good day. And we're this week, we're going to be talking about, as always, these guys finding out live on the episode, talking about something I don't know much about, I must confess, and I think one of us is going to be slightly more knowledgeable than the other two. We're going to be talking about pregnancy. Oh. Mostly uh, human, I think, would be the... Uh, let Being pregnant, to everyone. What pregnancy can't wait to mansplain this. Exactly. I thought three guys talking about pregnancy. That's gonna just be be a treat. So yeah, uh, but we do happen to have a, a father amongst us and a soon to be double father. Double, yeah, double, <laughs> soon to be father dad. of two. I guess is the, the appropriate. Wait, or double dad more of like if you have two. Dads. Double dad sounds like you're more like two dads than the two kids. Yeah. But mm. um, I want you to know that I've. As if anyone is expecting, a great book to read is Pregnancy for Men, is it? Or Pregnancy for Dads? Either way, it's it's it's, a, it's a science-led um, book for dads Makes about pregnancy. Makes more sense if it was with dads. It's, um, but it's just, it's really good. It's quite like, it's very like, clearly it's a bloke writing it, but at the same time it is, there's loads of research into it and like actual like things he does, but... Yeah, it's quite jokey and it is, it is really good and just informative. And also we did hypnobirthing as well. That was like a whatever week mm. course to um just which was also really informative about the process. So I think yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to interview my mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we're gonna talk about like what C sections as well and like Right. Well I mean to um, be honest with you, I don't really know very much about it at all other than the last around nine months, I believe. Or about ten cycles of the moon. Um almost exactly. Apparently, because I think it's 29, 29.5 days, and then it's 295 days, right? I believe. What are you talking about? Pre- like how long a pregnancy Pregnancy, yeah. I mean, like, I've heard from, of from, from, I think very, it's, very premature births happening. Yeah, all right, obviously, if, if they go for full term. But I think the difference there is if you count it from conception or if you count it from the first time the woman misses the period, because I think that's what doctors do is the latter. But from a scientific perspective, you could probably so do the former, because it'd be way more like, confusing. For the... the your ex- what's it called oh, what? oh the expectancy date what a oh, due date um, that apparently is I'll need to this is something for me to fact check myself something like it's over 100 or 200 years old that process of what how we do it and it's based on the woman's last period and it doesn't really have anything to do with the con- conception of the baby so like when you have and again this similar thing midwives will say is like don't think due date think due month you know like to have it so specific is just stupid because like we're not robots so like the idea yeah. is you're doing it from the last period not even on conception because you're actually fertile for about two day two or three days as humans um so which is always mad for like teenagers who get pregnant it's like it's it's actually quite hard to get pregnant because you're only fertile for a certain period in, in the month so again if you're saying your due date from the last period it's not actually on conception so again that nine months is thrown off a bit and the yeah, and how stuff works. It's 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 really cool to be honest. I learned so much and it's just great. But actually um, so I mean so how um did you go to like classes like, so you know, like, um pre it's prenatal, so, right? That's what they that's what they call yeah, it. So, so, it, so is, does it, that mean pre giving birth, I take it? Yeah. 
Um, so, like, sense. in the UK, you have the option, I think, it's the option of two prenatal um, classes, and they kind of, like, walk you through a bit of it. Usually it's with whichever hospital you're going to be giving birth at, um, and they kind of walk you through it. Usually they don't offer that if you've had a... <laughs> if you come up for your second because they're like you'll know it's fine um yeah and there's there's loads of different resources and stuff out there as well which is i think the biggest thing and like what a lot of midwives will say and especially when you do hypnobirthing is one born every minute is a really bad show for pregnancy <laughs> oh really <laughs> because because it's what, true or because it's accurate and scary or because it's, it's inaccurate inaccurate and scary so inaccurate and, oh, that's probably the worst combination of those different <laughs> things because yeah. it's not that it's inaccurate it's more of a case of you want to sell drama on TV shows. And the problem with selling drama for giving birth is that when women watch it, they're like, oh, look, this woman's having a horrible time screaming and like screaming the house down because that's what's interesting. And then, oh, look, they're fine because they had a baby after. But it's more, the thing with it, there's so much like, I guess, mind over matter with some of this. I'm not saying you know, pregnancy. Sometimes I think, especially in the UK, there's definitely like a, almost a bravado of like it not being painful. And it's like, it's like some people like, oh yeah, I only had like one paracetamol and I didn't have anything. And it's like you're going through one of the most painful things you'll ever experience in your life. You're allowed to be in pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so but, tough, but, yeah. but that thing of the worry is people think they get scared of like it's going to be really painful. It's going to be the worst experience. So when you come to the time, you feel unprepared, and then part of that, you know, you have. So apparently, this is a thing from the hypnobirth and saying like you go into a flight or fight mode, and what that does is it pushes blood to your extremities effectively for running or fighting not for being in your womb where you are having contractions so effectively it puts more stress on the body so the idea is at least in the hypnobirthing stuff we did which isn't like let's hypnotize you it's more yeah, just understanding fight or flight both sound like terrible options fight or run like, away uh probably neither yeah just gaining confidence is all hypnobirthing is and just explaining what it is so when you go into it hopefully for the the mum giving birth more calm and feeling they can do it you can bet obviously there's still exceptions to that in the sense of you can have medical issues whatever but the hopes is if everything goes to plan that if you go into it calm and relaxed at least starting to you're probably going to have a bit of an easier time than if you go into stress tense and freaking out like taking an exam isn't it you know if you go in calm relaxed even if you forget something you know actually right now if you keep going this then something will happen but if you go in stressed and tense, you know you're not going to remember anything, right? Can Can you give any validity to the different methods of giving birth, like um, water birth, vaginally squatting? Is the main <laughs> the main one? Hey, no, there's C-se- also C-sections, out stu- right? C-section, sure, isn't yeah. You know, you're right. But like um, positional, isn't it? Some I don't know if this could be crap, but I'd like to look it up. That squatting is the best because it's like, opens so, your hips. But I have yeah, no I think the lying on your back thing. I've heard from different. I think like midwives and stuff like that being like that is just just no it doesn't make sense it's not natural in any sense to be laid on your back with your legs in the air because it doesn't I guess in the same way you could think if I think yeah imagine squatting or being on all fours is meant to be I, I, I know at least on I'm sure it's all fours meant to be like one of the most natural ways because it's kind of just how it works or something like that and then we've kind I'm of I'm sure I read or, ju- or during <laughs> our classes at uni that like the the lion on the back was because some bloke said it was the best because he was totally. the best way he could get a good view. Yeah, it was like king, one of the kings, one of the pervy kings. I think. I th- I'm I gonna, we're gonna have to yeah. look this up, but I think, I, yeah. that's definitely an important. That's, that's, that rings pervy a bell. Kings. Yeah. <laughs> pervy kings of England who have yeah, made women give birth in weird ways. Um, I, yeah, I feel like, well, squatting and then having a poo is much easier than uh, than sitting down. So 
yeah, it's better for you. Yeah, it relaxes the guts better. I'm not sure if it's completely. Yeah. I think it's just your colon is like straightened out rather. Than... Can I, I can I ask? Oh, go on. Oh, can I take I it like this on a on a different route, or would you like to add something to this? I was going to say for like, do you know we looked at deodorant and we were saying like, from the Victorian times where people didn't talk about bodily functions, they had to start selling it that you were smelly. I I I think it's a similar thing for some birthing stuff of like you somehow. Granted, this is not saying you can just go into the woods and give birth. There's definitely a reason to have ed- loads of medical help with it. But sometimes I think we, from the Victorian time, like the ge- a man saying, you need to do this. This is how we do it. You can't do it on your own. We, you need medical intervention. You need a man to help or whatever. You, know, you will give birth naturally more than like, unless you've got two narrow hips and stuff. But you were literally built to do that. That's like well, one thing. And obviously without medical intervention, you get a lot more attrition and like, you know, children dying and stuff going wrong and mothers dying so that's where the medical intervention is needed but right you know you say that oh yeah there was yeah there was you know yeah um childhood oh yeah like uh kids or mothers dying during childbirth is super super common for yeah that's something i definitely want to look into but if everything goes smoothly then you can just give birth in a car (laughs) you know you don't need to be in a hospital but obviously it's when stuff goes wrong and like give placenta and then he's serving up stuff like that that's where it's you know so it's friend of mine was born on their own bathroom floor (laughs) Um, so i was going to take on a different turn i don't know if alistair has certain topics but i really wanted to talk about food like so what you eat (laughs) just forget everything about pregnancy we're just gonna talk about food (laughs) well i watched a really cute video the other day i mean it was kind of like uh, what do you call it uh, BuzzFeed type thing but it was a bloke being woken up at 3am by his pregnant wife going I really want some olives and he's like are you sure and he's like I really want some olives and he's like alright I'll go get you some and he goes and it's like him videoing his mission to try and find olives and he fails at every turn and he goes to like like every uh, petrol station and different places and he can't find it. and he's like wait a second pizza and he goes to like a 24-hour pizza place. He's just like, I just want olives on the pizza. Just a crap ton of olives. And they like, so they just serve him a whole pizza of olives. And he takes them all off, puts them in a pot and gives them to his wife. And she's like, thank you so much. I thought it was like, why the fuck would I want olives? I hate olives. <laughs> it's a very temporary uh, It was a dream or something. But I'm yeah. just curious. I really wonder if it's like, pizza. is that, is it like, is it true that your body needs a certain vitamin or something and then it craves something that yeah, has so it in it? Cravings is definitely something to, to research. And the other thing is, well, I'd obviously, um, massively the hormone thing, right? So, do you remember that video we all, um, watched not too long ago? I was sent on the on the chat with um, the the woman who, like, you know, uh, the Olymp- uh, uh, qualified as the Olympics oh, running, geez. but she gave birth like three months, three weeks before, or something crazy. And She's so still she like like ten k. Yeah, she was doing like, like four hundred miles pregnant. a month while yeah while she was pregnant, um, and then yeah, she was like there was just video bits of her like manically laughing, right? Um, and that's all to do with the hormones. Is that is that like a common thing? So yeah, so cravings, definitely. And then yeah, um, hormones as a as, as a hormones causing you to do different like, like I said, like laughing manically or or what, what other things they, they, oh, they cause mood things, right? Feeling really good, yeah, feeling really bad. Yeah, I mean, like some people get bigger swings, ones yeah, than others, yeah. right? Right, for sure. So, I wonder if you're kind of. Do you think you can guess it? Do you think some people you're like, oh, you'll definitely or like they can they're like, oh, I probably will have mad mood swings because I already have them. Or do you think that maybe it's is unguessable that you can't know until it happens to you? I think probably yeah. I don't think you. I mean, I don't know if it have any link to it, but maybe for like on for periods, if maybe you have. Uh, no, I think they'd just be shot in the dark saying that. So, yeah, I imagine it's just completely dependent. I do know for um, what you're saying for for food, 
you don't need any extra food apart from in your third trimester and i think you need something like an extra 100 calories a day it's like not a lot so like the actual thing of like oh you need to eat more when you're pregnant isn't a thing um unfortunately yeah, to be fair, the baby's really not, not that big is it <laughs> no it's not that big yeah <laughs> could you eat um, a whole baby's worth of food in one go like as in the weight of a baby in i was gonna say like, a whole portion of baby like uh, those little <laughs> tiny jars with like one spoon in them I mean, like, when you first start out, it's, you, you eat loads of baby portions a day, technically. Because you think they're absolutely tiny, aren't they? I guess and when you, every, you have a meal, you have loads of baby portions in a day if you assume you have it fork by fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything else, any other topics you wanted to, like, touch on? I mean, no, I mean, that'd be quite interesting. Like, let's just see where the research takes you a bit with it, I think, again. Obviously, Johnny, you have a pregnant wife right now, right? So that should be yes, I do. A, a useful place to, to perhaps yeah. go. We'll, uh, we'll maybe, you know. First trimester is like, you notice it. Second trimester is like the glowing stage. You're like, oh, I'm completely back to normal and I've got a bump. So like, in first trimester, then Abby was like eight o'clock. She was like ready for bed kind of thing. Um, and then third trimester, it's like you're just massive and your body is letting you know that you're absolutely massive. Like you can't get comfy. You get tired a lot quicker. Like everything's just more difficult. And obviously that's not including hormones. Um, so, I mean, Abby hasn't really... I wouldn't actually say Abby's been hormonal at all anytime she's been pregnant, but I know some people do. I'm not going to use the word suffer, just are affected by hormones more. Um, yeah. One thing, really I want to see if you can fact check think this. About... Oh, go on. It's... My theory on cravings, because I think that's where I looked up a while ago, of like, is cravings a real thing or not? Because I know actually it's cool. There's an African, uh, I remember seeing on the news some African, uh, somewhere in Africa, is a country, in a country in Africa, there was women that would eat like uh, rocks and like minerals and to get salt. And they, I think the idea was that your body's telling you it's craving salts, and so the women have just got into a bit of a culture. You, when you're pregnant, you start eating like this type of like dirt or rock or something like that. Um, but yeah, but I, I imagine, my thought is, I'm sure it's like from the 70s, either way, cravings being more of a cultural thing than an actual natural thing, that maybe, yeah, you do crave things, but then it's just got more out of kilter of people who go like, oh, I just really fancy something salty, and then maybe someone being like, oh, somebody just has a thing of like, oh, I like dipping chips yeah, in maybe, ice cream, and maybe, yeah, yeah. like, um, must because you're pregnant. Check that and see if, see if it's got any links to like addiction, like if you could be uh, addicted to something or just this craving is just like a sort of fleeting thing that's uh that's yeah, yeah um, I, I, hormonal I think it's or like, yeah. everyone asks when you're pregnant oh have you craved anything so i think people then have to assume that they should be craving something and so then they find something to crave i right. don't think that's a definite but i i feel like that's a link just no, one no, other thing no, no, to, to look up like bit controversial bit. <laughs> i say bitcoin but like <laughs> Bitcoin. One more thing to look up, guys. Bitcoin. Yeah, we're gonna, how does pregnancy affect Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> Alistair knows what he wants to hear. Um, no, no, just drugs and like alcohol during pregnancy. Like what's yeah, actually bad, yeah. what's not so bad, even though you definitely shouldn't do it. I'm just thinking like, you know, I'm Coffee, sure plenty yeah. of people have a cheeky glass of wine or something. But like, really funny thing. So now you're not recommended to drink. <laughs> Where is this going? Not recommended to drink any more than one cup of tea a day because of the caffeine, or like half a drink of coke or something like that. Because the caffeine in it is like it's bad for the baby, so don't have too much. You can have a little bit, but not a lot. Maybe like one coke, just avoid at all costs, all the time. Yeah, so (laughs) just terrible cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, but it's for like my mum or Abby's mum. It was like all she drank was tea, and that's what she said. Yeah, drink tea. That's good because it's a nice warm drink and whatever. And when she was out of the hospital with her first child, Abby's mum, so her older sister, they said, yeah, so if you want to have your baby when you're starting to wean, um, give them some tea with some sugar in it, and then eventually wean them off the sugar. 
And, and it's like, why are you And then they'll be a proper tea? British baby. <laughs> Just don't <laughs> get the sugar in the like, first place. I know that's what was so funny. Like, why are you giving, why are you putting the sugar? So it's just mad, the kind of difference. Same with my dad. Well, I think I'm sure yeah. I've said this. He was from birth. They went to my nine. I was saying like, oh yeah, no, um, you're not going to be any good for making milk. So we'll just put him straight onto cow's milk from birth. And he, for the first year of his life, just drank exclusively cow's milk, which now is a huge no, no, you have formula yeah. or breast milk, either or like cow's milk is just probably not at all. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, like he was obviously yeah. pretty, pretty hard on that. Also, um, yeah, there's a phone one with uh, our grandma, Freddie. Um, after she gave birth to my dad as her first son, um, she was given half a pint of Guinness in the, in the hospital. I was like, that was the standard because all the Good blood lost there. It's like, yep, bit of iron, get it down, yeah. Anyway, that was um, a nice place to round off, I think, for the first half. So, yeah. So, if we can go away, guys, um, just to quickly recap, we are going to be looking up childhood mortality, uh, cravings, hormones, and then drugs and alcohol, and that kind of has effects. And obviously, wherever your research takes you. We will see you in a few moments the second half of episode 32. Welcome back to part two of episode 32 on pregnancy. We are going to go over what we have learned in this, uh, we should say week, but it's been more like two and a half, I think, because we've actually seen each other, the three of us, in the same room, under the same roof, for the first time in about two years um, last weekend. But we didn't we do any recording. We weren't able to record yeah. together. <laughs> but we didn't record any podcasts because we were uh, chatting. Literally, literally because we, we couldn't record ourselves talking because we were talking. It was um, it was and even about the topic we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. it's just not it's not structured. And we need we need this you know screens everywhere. Anyway, um, so let's go to Freddie first. I uh, I understand you researched some things on on death rates. Um, yeah. We start on the nice positive ones, yeah. Of course. Before we get well, before, to all, I've, I've jumped the gun here. It's been, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks, but Johnny, <laughs> let's have a definition of pregnancy, please. Here we go. Because everyone needs that. No one, no one had any idea. Oven. That's it. Just bun in the oven. Bun in the oven. Uh, term used to describe the period in which a fetus develops inside a woman's uterus. Pregnancy usually lasts about forty weeks or just over nine months, as measured from the last menstrual period to delivery. Huge. There you go. There we go. Wait, so, uterus and womb, are they synonyms? Is that the same thing? <sighs> Come on, Daddy. Daddy Johnny. Right, right, right. So you... you... That's, that's worth... A, that's a good question, actually. Is uterus just the inner lining and womb is the whole organ? I think so, yeah. I just... The uterus that. is the medical term for the womb. It is the <laughs> Latin word for womb. No, it's there the you same. Go. Wow. It's the same thing. It's about the size and shape of an inverted pear. Usually sits quite low in the abdomen and is held in position by muscles, the size of a pear. Tissues. I suppose it's quite stretchy then. Inverted pear. What's a pear is not, not big. It just means it? upside down. <laughs> it doesn't change the size. Yes. Of I feel like baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like babies are bigger than pears as a rule. The size of an inverted <laughs> banana. Oh, <laughs> not, not as big as a banana. No, no, just a banana, but upside down. <laughs> exactly. So. Anyway, we've got to get get the get the cheeriness going. Yeah, we start Pretty. with death rates. Death rates, geez. and then uh, maybe a little bit of cravings. I believe is a can be a can be a shout. But no, let's, let's keep it cheery with uh, some death rates. Anyway, so Freddie, we understand you've got some nice cheery, cheery uh, research on death rates and pregnancy involving, I guess, childhood mortality. Yes. So um, we're going to keep, <laughs> keep just, the fun train rolling. Just, let's keep the fun train rolling. But I'm mostly going to be talking about statistics here, so no one needs to worry too much about specificity. But basically, since 1960, it's been steadily improving all around the world. For example, in 1960, it was about 22 per thousand 
cases, 22 deaths per thousand pregnant people. Um, but the death is not like it's not just death while pregnant. It also includes re like soon after birth, if you know what I mean. So it's not. It, I think it's actually classed. That would it be within like a day or two after birth. Would yeah, be included. Well, I, I mean, if you're if it's like you're in an intensive care and you don't make it out of the hospital, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So that's ninety six. It's twenty two. We're now at four per thousand. So if that gives wow. you some kind of idea, which is the same as Cuba and New Zealand. If we're four and Cuba's four, what's the USA? Low. It's going to be low in it. You type so. I want to say ten. No, I want to say fifteen. Fifteen's like high. Fifteen's closer to how we were in nineteen sixty. Oh, I'm like, like, in like world rankings. They have six. Yeah, six per thousand. There's yeah. no point trying to do world rankings because so many car, so many countries are basically the same rates. Yeah. You know, per, there's like yeah. twenty. Like all Joint of Europe. Third of 50, yeah. Like all of Europe have about two per thousand. That's like the lowest. So South Africa and India, for example, have like twenty-eight per thousand wow. now still, and. Central African Republic and Sierra Leone are the most with a thousand, uh, 81 deaths a thousand, per thousand. A thousand. Yeah, that would be 100%. That would be bad. Basically, the three major causes of uh, neonatal death worldwide are infections, premature birth, and suffocation. Suffocation generally being uh, a cord wrapped around the neck of the baby. And after this, it's beat birth defects and other complications. There's always, just to add into the mix, that people still don't actually know exactly what happens Sudden infant death death syndrome. Right, SIDS. SIDS yeah, I've heard of it. Which, which is just a horrible happens, name. But who knows? It's terrifying. So yeah, that's that's the overarching kind of general s- statistics on death rates around the world. I hope that gave someone out there mm. a bit of information that they need. And they need. also, just for like, do want me to be very aware for people of? I've seen a few things of people. Well, what we're saying of like when people lose um, a baby during pregnancy of i think it, a lot of people consider it effectively like you haven't had a child until they've been born or until they've actually started to grow up but a lot of people feel it's effectively trying to be sensitive to people if they do lo- have a miscarriage that you know sure, they're yeah. still parents certainly don't say to someone who's like oh you're 30 oh have you thought about trying to have kids yet oh you know yeah, yeah they could be like yeah i've actually had like a bunch of you know yeah yeah and, and again if someone does have a miscarriage like oh well at least you can have more kids or do you know something like that do you know the oh, thing is to assume oh. that you know when someone's become pregnant that has made you a parent effectively and just to yeah i guess it's the sensitivity and trying to think of being like don't say anything smart because it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so yeah and on the slightly cheery one um so johnny um i believe you have a pregnant wife still <laughs> yeah so <laughs> unless that's when... changed for some happened that, <laughs> that <laughs> <is true. laughs> no you do and um, um, so yeah and, uh, you had a little, little chat with her to, um, so somewhere. my thoughts were because obviously we're looking at different stats or whatever kind of information there is out there about pregnancy generally. So this was more from an actual, more anecdotal, personal side to it. Obviously, every pregnancy is usually different for a lot of different women for different things. But kind of things are said to Abby of what things do you think people may not know about as much of or say for the, someone who's naive to it? One would be like swollen legs and just like general kind of not inflammation, but you know, like, yeah, stuff becoming swollen. One thing, it's a big thing for it, is restless leg syndrome as well. So that's just when you just, your legs don't feel nice. Usually it's just as, like at bedtime as well, of where you just feel comfortable. And what is not a scientifically researched use for it, but it's something which is an anecdotally considered to be 
an effective response for it is magnesium butter. Abby's used it, seems to work. Obviously, there's not the, probably not the science to it. I'm not saying it's like homeopathy, but apparently magnesium. Well, you eat it, or you um, or you rub no, it on you your... rub it onto the soles of your feet. Oh, okay. Um, and apparently it's Wait, to do that with. Sounds... Yeah, I was down with the eating. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Magnesium has stuff to do with your nerves. It makes sense. And then rubbing it on your feet. Oh, I think it's as in like... something which just absorbs into your skin. Apparently, magnesium Maybe. has something to do with muscle. It relaxes muscles. Cramp- yeah, something like that. It stops you getting cramped. Right. Yeah, so that. So, whether well, at the same time, one of you guys said put deodorant on the back of your knees or something, and then that helps you to smell nicer. Yeah, that's know. definitely weird. factually relevant, not something that someone just randomly told me once in a pub, and I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's why it's an anecdotal thing, which seems to work for Abby, so whether it's placebo or not, win-win. win-win um, exactly. Also, yeah, restless le- leg syndrome is something which people don't really know much about of what to do. It's just kind of a, your legs are being funny. Stretch marks as well, especially with, like, um, some women don't get any stretch marks. Some get loads of stretch marks. And you can bet you see a lot of like influencers of obviously something which is you get self quite self conscious about. Influencer being like, you know, here's my baby, and here's like now this is me like weeks later, and they're completely like flat stomach, no stretch marks, and like just like they were before. And obviously for a, a lot of women, you just don't have that kind of like inverted commas bounce back, so to speak. Um, yeah, and then you also you've got a reduced immune system, so you're more likely to get issues for like general illnesses and things like that um one thing is you it's the added weight it's super heavy and to give an idea i looked up some stats because i'll be saying it's like having a backpack on your belly but you don't have shoulder straps so it's just horrible how it just like you carry it but by the end of the pro- pregnancy, how, how big a backpack prob- are we talking well this is it so by the end of a pregnancy your probs weigh about 10 kilos more than before the baby is about 3.3 kilos your placenta is about 0.7 kilos and the fluid is about 0.8 kilos. And yeah, so it's and different things add up to being your womb muscle layer is about a kilo. Blood volume increases by 1.2 kilos. Um, just general extra fluid by 1.2 kilos. Uh, breast can increase by like about 0.4 kilos. And wow. fat for feeding can increase about 4 kilos. So again, you will put on some weight as well. Um, but yeah, so just more things which will just... just way on you and not be as nice um that is mad yeah abby cravings she kind of had fruit with ezra and kind of salty and savory with the new baby now and there's also loads of old wives tales which we tried out just to see about the gender they they weren't right one could be if you wee in bicarbonate of soda and how it froths or something like that is going to be d- deciding the gender or there's loads of different ones I mean, they're fun to try. It's a nice little, like, almost like a baby shower thing. As you, well, no pun intended. He just, just wheel lots of different things. In front of people, <laughs> it's a baby but... shower, yeah. <laughs> Bring different stuff. I'm going to pee on it, and then we're going to guess what the baby is. <laughs> but if they feel like, because um, Abby's sister and all, she's pregnant at the same time, and so that you can kind of, like, do similar tests and be like, oh, how are you hanging low or to the left or something like this? Are oh, you hanging like, low? What do you mean? Hanging low. So, like, as in, like, for your belly, your bump, sometimes you can have it high up or low down. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and everyone knows and that like, basically you just buy some fireworks and let them off. And if they're pink, then it's a girl. Cause yeah. pink That's is right. a girl if they color. burn down an entire forest, then you're going to be a great parent. <laughs> yeah. so. um, also, she hasn't had any sickness. Uh, the first time around, she's queasy for the first trimester. You get three tri- trimesters, if you didn't know. And, um, Are you sure? Is there not four quadmesters? 
or two by mesters. Ah, single mester. <laughs> yeah, and then just one mester. In her first trimester, she was really sleepy. Um, both times, so about eight o'clock, she's fallen asleep. So that's some stuff which of Abby's pregnancy, which she's had. Interesting, man. Serious. No. Um, weird that none of us are going to go through that, isn't it? It's kind of mental. I think the one she said at the weekend was like about that, like your organs get pushed away, like or pushed up, and so like really, you'll yeah, all your organs inside of you like move quite a lot, which is seems mental in it. You think like, oh no, I'm quite like you know, it's quite nice to have your organs where they are, probably, <laughs> you know, you know. But, um, yeah, so they all get I mean, pushed a up into your organs, cage more or less. Yeah, a woman's organs move a lot. I mean, especially during pregnancy and stuff, but also during the intercourse that produces said baby that moves organs inside a woman isn't that mad really really I didn't know that it's freddy oh yeah i've got a big willy <laughs> poke her in the <laughs> poke her in the lungs <laughs> no but if anyone has re- if anyone has listened to the podcast my dad wrote a porno I yeah they do what it is it's quite funny they do because because the person who wrote thinking. this clearly has no idea how the organs work inside it, it, it's just an opening and then inside of a vagina is just all the organs <laughs> But that sounds like, kind of like what you're saying there, Freddie. That you know, you're using that as a medical doctrine. No, I'm saying I went to a museum, Body Works. We've been to Body Works, it's where, or Body World, sorry, where they sh- um, show you basically uh, taxidermized humans, and they show them in different positions, and you can see how things move and interact inside a body, like when you're riding a horse or when you're eating, and one of them is during intercourse, and you can see that the organs inside a woman move. I guess well, you can make jokes about size of anatomy if you want. Well, all of their organs, surely not all of them. No, organs, as in, I don't. I guess the I idea is we're, we're not I made out know. of rock, so we we huh? move around, including the inside of our bodies as well. well I guess time it gets bigger, things. and your bladder gets bigger and stuff. Don't when you you know, drink and eat and mm. stuff. So interesting. Everything inside you is not solidly fixed. That's the thing. That's what you kind of imagine it is. Even your brain isn't solidly fixed. It, your brain swishes around when you've been lying down for a while and you sit up. Your brain literally moves inside the skull. It's kind of mad. Meat mac. <laughs> Take care of your meat mac, guys. Exactly. It's good stuff. Um, so, Freddie, you were researching stuff on cravings in general. I, I did. I did, actually. I read t- two papers on cravings because I really wanted to know is it a thing or not? Oh, yes. It's a I thing. read two papers and the answer is yes. <laughs> okay, next point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I uh, read um, an article that was in the Journal of Pediatrics and Mother Care, Food Cravings and Aversions During Pregnancy, a current snapshot, 2017. Basically, they surveyed 204 mothers, average age 30, of fairly even race groups, I'd say. I mean, as in better than other papers I've read. Let's just put it that way. They had... They had at least a fair um, divide, but they still had 50% Caucasian, so I don't know if that is fair it, or not. Would it depend yes. on the country which you come from as well, I guess? This is, In the sense of what is the actual demographic of the population? Yes, yeah, true. But they're just, I don't know, they're trying to get a group, okay, of, yeah. I guess. 204 mothers, 59% of them said that they had cravings. The cravers of sweets tended to be of normal weight and were likelier to give birth to girls. Like, they actually found that in uh, the That's statistics really cool. were in the end those of sweets sweet cravings tended to have girls I, can't, I don't have a percentage right here in contrast women that crave fruits and vegetables were likely to be overweight and were more likely to have given birth to boys while reported by nearly one in four of the mothers who craved fruits and vegetables pika 
Do you know what Pika is? Yep. Alice, I do not guess what, know. Guess what Pika is, Alice. Just guess. How what an acronym. Guess? Nope. Is it when the baby's like nearly born and it's sort of peeking out? <laughs> Turtle head and Johnny, baby. what's Pika? <laughs> so it's when you start eating inanimate objects, which aren't food. Right, did not happen. I researched this later. I'll, I'll add some more information about that. But yes, one in four of the mothers uh, crave fruits and vegetables or pika or the craving of other non-food items. Oh, so you can oh, you crave, but you don't want to eat it or you do want to eat it. You want no, to eat no, like... people where eat it, they eat non-edible items. So sometimes there's like... one woman who end up eating parts of a sofa, like she'd open up like the thing and start eating the foam out of her sofa. Wow. Mad. And sometimes of like they can see like pictures of where someone's stomach contents have been opened up to see what they'd eaten and it's like mad stuff uh one in four of the mothers who crave fruit or vegetables one in four had a little bit of pika or thought about it they were like mm, yeah. soap uh, so pika is this is this an acronym or was it is it no, like p-i-c-a p-i-c-a yeah. okay sure. um i think it's latin from something i did oh i can find it out. hang on i scrolled it down i've got my fine i'll skip to my pika um stuff since you've since you just casually dropped that in there as if you know uh cravings such as dirt clay laundry detergent coal pencils paper soap wood metal and ice uh is pika and the pika comes from the word for magpie um it's the purposeful consumption of non-food substances observed worldwide and posited to be somewhat biological adaptive but also very culturally biased so in certain countries people crave certain things yeah i think we mentioned it as well for like there's an african country where a few women they'll eat parts of clay but part of it is because there's lots of minerals in it and so say if you've got a, a mineral deficient diet then actually i think it actually came up that it's, it's dangerous what they do eat but it's a cultural thing oh, fair. Um, apparently iron supplements help reduce pika but that's oh. uh, i don't know if that's a fact detect or if that's just a piece of spinach be fine yeah um so what fun stuff did I find out? Oh yeah, so basically if you um if you crave sweet things, you're very unlikely to be a pika person as well. Hmm. Don't know why that is. Um regarding their own health of that of the embryo, food aversions may serve the purpose of helping the pregnant female to avoid foods that carry pathogens or chemical toxins, hence the oft reported aversions to meat and fish. This is they were the highest uh, in the list of things that people were like, "Oh no, I don't eat that anymore." Also, alcohol and caffeine people don't not only should you not have alcohol and caffeine during pregnancy people don't want it as much apparently like even there's an article in like the 1980s a, a paper and they were like loads of these women seem to not want to have any more cigarettes caffeine or alcohol and it's not even <laughs> it's like the baby's like let me out let me stop it <laughs> like i mean so so i guess 70 percent were still like yeah top me up mate but 30 percent were like nah i'm just going off it um, so it's interesting if that's the body actually fighting back against the toxins being like no we don't want this yes Johnny so so one thing of my uh, my sister-in-law she'd probably have like I want to say about 10 cups of tea a day and she has some super milky so I've, I'm more classified as a milky drink than I would a cup of tea but anyway that's a different point um, and when she was pregnant comp- so to bear in mind she she's nuts for tea has it all the time she's constantly having cups of tea and then when she was pregnant, completely went off it, made her feel sick, wanted to throw up when she, if she were to drink tea or even smell it. And it was really funny. My brother loved it because he was like, yes, don't have to make any cups of tea. <laughs> but um, yeah, so one of the things about food aversion, just something which is somebody absolutely loves, suddenly completely off it to a point, it makes you feel ill. 
Well, interesting. Our bodies might be smarter than we think they are. Hey? I'm going to add yeah. to this. No, go on. Uh, basically, puzzling aversions have been reported about about this. Not just like like you said, not just about things that are obviously bad, but actually things like, for example, the avoidance of staple foods like cereal by Ethiopian women, or fear of women in South India that fruits like mangoes and pineapples cause miscarriage. You know, it's mm. like, uh, or that the heat, oh, that they heat the mother's body. And that this causes black patches on the infant's skin. Strange, eh? Hmm. Uh, so you wonder where these kind of tales come from. And finally, this I think is really important. Fewer than two in five of the surveyed mothers reported that he, they had any nutritional education, with most of them saying that they tried to educate themselves by browsing the internet. And it's like... Don't, oh, don't, yeah. don't know. They should be listening to podcasts, obviously. That's... <laughs> So, just to finish off my fun stuff, I have a list of infrequency of foods that are wanted. Is this the, is this the love foods or is this the hate foods? Hang on, I've got a big scale. Oh, yes. Um, Should yeah, we try and guess foods. when you start reading them? <laughs> Clay, it's, it's, bricks, <laughs> cement. <laughs> it's wanted. So, basically, these are some fun cravings. Um, in order of frequency, starts off with sweets and ice cream. Then we've got fruits and fruit juices. They're going down and down and down to things like dill pickles and pizza. And then right at the bottom, we have like fish, uh, coffee, eggs and chocolate for some reason. I don't know why chocolate's huh. down there, but. Interesting. Well, Interesting. Maybe if it's American, that chocolate's not as much of a big thing over there compared to sweets. Maybe. But yes, if anyone's interested, I you can read this paper. It even has nice tables that show the average mother's age, the, the, bo- the baby's weights the um, different things about morning sickness, uh, if they breastfed, um, consumption of whole grains. Like, there's a lot of data in this in this paper that it might be interesting to people who are prego or about to get prego. We mentioned the pervy kings um, about the women's birth, birthing positions, right? And how they are laying on your back when you're given birth. It was introduced but apparently by King Louis the Fourteenth um, because he he had a bit of a bit of a thing for it. He thought it was um, thought it was good. Um, but something very interesting, which I didn't actually realise, he is the longest reigning monarch ever. So I totally thought Queen Elizabeth was the longest reigning, but she's actually just the longest reigning British monarch. Um, but she's also the only the the only of the, of the so there's two monarchs who've lived who've reigned for longer than her currently. Uh, it's a, a Thai king and this guy Louis the Fourteenth, um, and it's only she's only got to hang on for another three years and then she'll be Come the longest on. reigning monarch ever in the world. Nice tangent there. I wow. like that. Um, do you guys have stuff on birth positions? Because I read a paper on birth positions. As well. <laughs> Just so happened to it. <laughs> Freddie's on a holiday, by the way, this week. So. <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I did a lot of research. You like well, one thing? However, um, for as I think my uh, for Abby, she did a master's in oncology, and part of one of her I can't remember if it's dissertation, one of her studies that she did was actually about um, she did it on breast cancer. And one of the things she found is that doctors don't seem to really tell women or men for that issue as well of if you to have breast cancer or any kind of cancer where you have any radiotherapy you can bet you're going to be sterilized from it and realistically if you want to have kids you need to make sure you you freeze your eggs and it's a conversation not a lot of people actually have of if you have major chemotherapy it is radiation coursing through your blood effectively so that will make you infertile and is a case of you know maybe you have breast cancer in your 20s or 30s and you're like oh and you're able to get uh, recover from it which is great news but then you may be left with the fact of oh actually you can't have kids anymore 
and because you weren't told about it previously so definitely something to know that's well worth knowing if you ever have any form of cancer and chemotherapy make sure you either freeze sperm or freeze eggs if you want to have kids later yeah, on because it's that's something that's which true. isn't necessarily talked about which is a, just a massive oversight for people right. or for doctors and yeah. uh, medical professionals I definitely never thought of that so over to Freddie for birthing positions well okay I'm really sorry I also have a load of stuff on mood swings because <laughs> you asked about that no please um, carry on birth positions insane they did they did a study of 113,279 spontaneous births I don't know why they call it spontaneous is that like you just wake up in the morning and like what should I do today I know I'll give birth <laughs> yeah where there was no epis episiotomy yes this is so that's when you yeah so this snip. is where they don't snip between vagina and anus okay 113,279. Yeah. As it's called in medical circles. Or is it perineum? The perineum. I think it's the perineum, yeah. Um, yeah. But they were studying about OASIS, which is obstetric anal sphincter injury. As in... So you're getting where I'm going here. So if you don't cut the, the, the gooch, how many of these people got an injury? Okay. Yeah, I've taught that a pretty bad injury, personally. It's either whether you pre-cut it or you let it tear naturally, and the, yeah. there's two different schools of thought whether it heals better or worse. Or okay. yeah, and the the if yeah the the, the 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 complications due to cutting or not cutting later on are anal incontinence, sexual dysfunction, pain, and reduced quality of life, and a bunch of other co- maternal complications. Right, so that's the issue. Right, do you snip? Do you not snip? What goes on? So scarily, that this anal sphincter injury has been increasing in higher income countries. How strange. Huh. And the nulli paris, oh, oh, here we go. Nulli paris is a fancy med- medical word used to describe a woman who hasn't given birth to a child yet. Right, so this is important for what I'm about to get into. So nulli paris, you haven't had a kid yet, and whatever the other word is, something pari, oh, paris means you have already had a kid before. So let's get into the fun stuff. For centuries, pros and cons about different birth positions have been debated. For upright labour, several physiological advantages have been hypothesised and measured, such as effects of gravity, stronger uterine contractions, maternal satisfaction and feeling of control. However, today, majority of women in Western societies deliver in a dorsal, semi-recumbent sitting or lithotomy position. And I think it's lithotomy is the one that old King Louis liked, yeah? Where is, it, is it sitting down or on your back kind of thing on your back with your legs, legs up. at 90 degrees yeah so it's claimed that the positions these positions are thumbs up because the attending midwife or obstetrician can monitor the fetus and help guide but i mean many people are there well they shouldn't need to because you know if if you're in the wild you just give birth right on your own maybe you've got a mate around but you don't like <laughs> there's arguments on the pros and cons side of why you do this so uh, looking at the fun facts, we're going to look at the real stats. This was 113,000 people that we're going for. What do you think happens? Do you think there's more injuries in the lying down positions, standing up positions? What do you think? I thought there's more, more lying down. Lying down. Yes. Sure. So they actually took um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different positions. Um, we've got sitting, litho- sitting, sitting, um, lithomy, which is on your back with your legs in the air. We've got standing on knees, birth seats, supine squatting, standing, and all fours. The standing I found quite interesting. I think su- is it supine <laughs> is where you're like leaning on a chair or something. So yes, mm. 
the most damage happened with those who had already had kids, so Paris women, and were sitting or... Oh, yeah, sitting. Sorry. So if you're sitting and you've already had a kid, that's there's a 40% chance that you're going to have a big injury. Wow. wow. Isn't that crazy? And so a little thing, there's for tears, which is between that, you get four gradings, grade one, two, three, and four. Grade one being the lightest, so it's effectively a bit of a tear in the, um, the vagina, and then grade four being... It is a full tear, vagina to anus, completely, and it's quite severe. And you know they have variant amounts of like recovery and um, reconstructive kind of like sewing up and whatever. Exactly, it's crazy. Wow. Um, so the thing is, actually, what? Well, okay, sorry, I've kind of butchered this a little bit because I've read this. Uh, Poor choice of words, ago, but okay. And now I've got to <laughs> put it all back together. Yeah. Oh yeah, butchered. <laughs> um, is that it? It actually makes a huge difference if you had a kid already. So, for example, but then the lithomy position, if you've already had a kid, the chance of tearing goes down to 10%. But if you hadn't had a kid before, it's still at like 30 with the, with the lying on the back thing. So, the fun stuff is, what do you think is the least damaging position? The fun position? stuff, I like this stuff. Eh? Um, is it, is it... I think it'd be squatting be again, but... Squatting? Okay. I'd say like kneeling down, but I, I feel like you're going to say standing up. No, it's all fours. Ah. Uh, mm. Standing and squatting are both... In- I mean, it's incredibly low. It's less than 2%, all three of them. But, standing, surely it's tricky because like, you know, the baby will then fall from, like... <laughs> not giraffes. <laughs> I mean, you still have... You have, like, like a, someone catching some, it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't specify exactly how many degrees are between <laughs> standing and squatting, like... If you've got like your legs Standing are... fully, fully on tiptoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's really interesting that we've pushed people and say, right, you should do this. And it's like, but this, the data literally says that's worse for you. And it, it's quite a big issue is that um, women often would feel in hospital that the doctors and the midwives around them are just going to make them do what the best thing is, right? They're going to be like, right, okay, get in this position. That's the best for you. And they trust them. And it's a feeling of kind of less control, especially on your back. When you're on your back with your legs mm. open, tell me you can feel in any sort of power position with your legs in the air when you're lying on your back and people are yeah. like pulling something out of you. I mean, surely there's something to do with control here. So, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. Make your own decision, ladies, when you do your stuff. But if I was a lady now, I would get onto those all fours. <laughs> if I was giving birth. Yeah, totally. My last stuff to talk about is mood swings. Have you guys got anything on mood swings? That's it. I was going on that. Um, well, I mean, the thing with the, the video of that woman who did, who did all the running when she was pregnant and how she got that crazy manic laughing and whether that was vaguely common or not. Oh yeah, I'll go for that. Did you say you you, you looked at that up? But that, that was sort of the, the question. That was where this question came from. So that's yeah, right. okay, that's yeah. What I yeah. Go for it. Um, basically, uh, actually, I found a lot of stuff about just feeling really bad actually most of the stuff was the studies on who feels bad because i guess you don't really study people who feel good but uh, basically if you have any sort of conflict with a partner or you have a fear of your partner leaving you or the baby was unplanned uh there's at least oh where's the percentage sorry there's a high percentage chance basically that you're gonna have more complications because you're anxious and having a bad time um, that makes quite a lot of sense to be fair more than 10% of women who became unhappy during pregnancy were in the group of women without a partner that's 
interesting, I guess. And a study found in 2019, 38% of the po- of pregnant population never seek any help during pregnancy. They don't ask for help when they wow. probably should. Uh, yeah. So a lot of other stuff about pregnancy. Oh, in Czech, Czech Republic or Czechia, a study found that if the pregnancy was planned or desired, it or had a con- or had a specific motivational factor, um, the happiness throughout pregnancy is hugely significant like hugely greater like if you plan the mm. pregnancy or at least you want it like you have a good time all throughout although later on that's there's only the first well, only that's the first six months of pregnancy after the first six months of pregnancy i guess people who didn't plan it are like i'm gonna go through with this now so their happiness comes back up again and mm. lastly despite some health problems being objective and considerable every woman varies in the experience of these problems due to specific perceptions which could be individually amplified moderated or ignored based on the woman's personality disposition which makes sense i'm glad they put that in the paper oh that's nice because other things as well to know you get postnatal depression and postnatal psychosis which seems scarier obviously i think postnatal depression is quite a common thing as well so i think it's a lot of people times as well people don't really recognize it properly or think to go seek help because all should be fine or whatever and sometimes i think dependent on your area you can feel a bit left after you have a baby it's like everyone prepares you for pregnancy what's happening you know abby's got a little app which tells you how big your baby is and what's going to be happening stuff like that suddenly you get the baby and you kind of dropped (laughs) and like especially during the pandemic i think we had a midwife see us straight after then they have a six month checkup I think a year one and then after that it's a two year one but I think we they miss one of ours and the same with my brother and his uh, daughter they they miss quite a lot of them due to the pandemic and so it's a case of making sure yeah, a new one with the pandemic that would be particularly tough sometimes think, yeah. yeah sometimes you need God, to I did this I did this to make new friends I did this for the social side of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um yeah postnatal psychosis is a scary thing as well I think obviously something to do with um the whole it's a huge physiological and psychological process like thing on your body that sometimes you can get psychosis to a point of i remember watching a documentary where a woman just tried they were on the motorway and just tried crashing the car with her husband and newly born daughter in the car um oh, and yeah and that took quite a bit geez. to recover from that yeah scary Jesus. stuff also i've got a thing about due dates because we said about like where does it come from and it is um four percent of babies are born on their due date what was predicted and the mid um we we did hear from one of our midwives as they made a suggestion it should really be called like a due period or a due month rather than a due date because then it just puts a lot of anxiety on that day specifically um and it came from 1744 a professor from the netherlands Herman boer harvey i probably butchered that sorry um explained how to calculate an estimated due date based on the records of a hundred pregnant women so that's a very small sample we use that we use that for every other human ever lives (laughs) and he figured out um that the estimated due date by adding seven days to the last period and then adding nine months that was it and that was and he's on it four percent of the time (laughs) (laughs) here's what i've got with guys i'm just going to take two pretty easy numbers (laughs) we can call them trimesters then and it works really well because it's nine divided by three nice i also looked up a bit about calories of only in the third trimester May you need an extra two hundred calories if you are active. So the, the myth is that you, yeah. The myth we said the with babies actually don't eat a huge amount of their food. Yeah, they're quite it's, small. and it's only saying it's only extra two hundred calories if you are quite active. So it means like if you're quite sedentary, as you may be in your third trimester, being heavily pregnant, um, that 
your baby sparks you're probably fine you're just borrowing stuff anyway sharing it can i just um, chuck in a fact to add to that just just yeah. super super fast what percentage of mothers last year in america were overweight before they became pregnant Ooh. Do i you think know? it's like 43 percent of americans are obese right so really Some, yeah it's outrageous oh, yeah, it's the uk, <laughs> the UK is not much better well. to be fair but yeah uh, yeah, Aren't it was fifty percent. It's fifty percent. So fifty percent of American women were overweight prior to pregnancy, and that more than fifty percent gain an excessive amount of weight during pregnancy, which is you know like you're saying, which is a myth that that's, that you should be like mm. gorging while you're pregnant. That's that's not necessarily a good thing, and you'll never guess, but it's a good indicator if the kid's going to be overweight. <laughs> no way. <laughs> or does you know be overweight for and, the rest of his life? Of course, another thing. There's going to be a lot of anxiety about being pregnant. So you may be like, oh, I'm not going to... So you can maintain any health and fitness activities you can usually maintain as long as you started before you were pregnant. Um, so you don't suddenly start running 5Ks if you never ran them before you're pregnant. But as we saw from the video watch, you can keep on running if you already run or go to the gym whilst you're pregnant. Um, but you can bet a lot of people feel, oh, I need to protect my baby, so I'm not going to be as active, yet you're still eating the same amount, so you're probably going to be putting on weight as well. So there's lots of different reasons why you yeah, may put on weight. Sense as well as I think your body naturally will try to put on weight for breastfeeding later on because it takes a bit more. But some things, so I looked up about temporary things which can change your body, but first in pregnancy, the permanent changes pregnancy can do to your body. Hips, they can just be slightly wider They and that, that will never go back, your hips. So it depends on the woman, obviously, but it can be that your hips will be wider and that never goes back, just the bones change. Um, breasts in thirds possible changes but breastfeeding doesn't affect size yeah so sometimes you can actually gain weight uh, gain size of in your breast size and that won't go cup back down size. cup size thank you well yeah you is, are right is it called um, cup size it is called cup size um, but breastfeeding size of breast doesn't make a difference for breastfeeding so if you've got big boobs or small boobs you're still producing milk and you can you can bet someone with big boobs may produce not a lot some of the small boobs may produce an incredible amount it doesn't really make a difference um and your skin apparently darkening of certain areas um such as your pregnancy line which is the linear nigra so do you know if sometimes you look on bumps from the belly button you'll see like a dark line which goes vertically up um and the central part of face aka the mask of pregnancy and apparently it's due to extra estrogen in your body that you actually get a little bit of a darkened skin apparently and that sometimes is permanent and the biggest thing which is the most of my research that I did is brain changes so it's actually a relatively understudied thing but there's a lot of things we get oh baby like you know pregnant baby head or baby brain or things like that uh, and so during pregnancy and up to two years after the gray matter in your brain reduces as it's this, this also happens through uh, puberty. So effectively, if you think of it less like your brain's getting smaller, but more like your brain is getting sculpted. So effectively, it gets rid of all the neural um, connections and it kind of prunes them off, which it sees as not as necessary. And it makes bigger pathways for the ones which are already there. Um, and for pregnant women, it occurs in the brain, brain regions included in social cognition. So particularly in the area related to theory of mind. So it helps with what others are thinking of and there's not really any this is kind of a we can see that this is happening we don't know we could infer things but we couldn't be definite because it's, it's brain science at the end of the day um but 
they've they can see the regions um in they've changed and they're stronger in response when they're showing photos of their infants and things like that um yeah. i just googled I it just because i was curious it says uh, women lose some gray matter while they're pregnant but their brains actually are becoming more efficient and strengthening the woman's feelings of attachment yeah and so they had a control groups of non-pregnant women and fathers and they don't have a reduction in the gray matter either well no they don't have a reduction so it's just pregnant women who are having babies um and it's yeah it's not fully understand fully understood why we do lose the gray matter um but it's it's linked to social cognition that they think and it may help the mother understand baby's cries and such so effectively if you think you look at a baby and like ah oh, this is just a child in front of me but your brain is as they they may suggest could be that your brain is rewiring to help you better understand your baby um off smaller social cues it, it could be but this again there's not it's not hugely studied um there could also be some negatives of the term baby brain um there's been mixed results but there's of memory problems problems and also spatial memory so okay so for women during that period you may actually you know as they say you have baby brain you may become a bit more forgetful and you may have a bit more issues with your spatial memory but again this research i think there's two main papers and it's from 2016 and that's been about it i haven't been able to find much more other than that but yeah do you know something that is absolutely wild that i just remembered as you were explaining this go so yes like how babies uh, humans brains change when they have kids and like the mother's brain changes the most, but the father's brain does change a bit, this, doesn't it? Oh. And um, I was just, I was like, wait, I definitely saw something about this. Had a research shown that a new, mother, a new mother's brain activity changes after having a baby. Turns out gay men's pattern of activity also adapts to parenthood if the two men raise the child together. And it resembles no that of both new mums and new dads in findings published. How that cool is, is that? Very cool life finds a way yeah so there's it's totally natural for gay couples to raise a child i know um, that's so cool well that's a very nice that's a very nice one there's one one final point and then we're going to um end the episode there that was for the drugs and alcohol thing turns out very very bad for babies it's actually worse <laughs> than cow's milk <laughs> shocking i know <laughs> So you're saying drugs and alcohol are worse than cow's milk? Yep, that's the bombshell of which we're going to end this episode. Huge. Big news, guys. Big, big news. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to call there. So thank you very much for listening to this episode on pregnancy. We hope you've learned some stuff. And um, funnily enough, quite a, quite, a lot to, uh, quite a lot to learn about this. But I would, uh, I think people's probably learning curve for it goes up quite steeply when uh, well, you know, people's desire to learn about it goes up quite a lot once they are uh, either pregnant or with a pregnant her partner. Anyway, um, that was that was pretty. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.